Hello, my friends. It's Begonia Bree, the book fairy here, and I'm so very happy you invited me for story time with you. I love to bring you fairy tales, folk stories, legends, and myths from all over the world. Today is a little different than our usual story time. I am introducing a new kind of episode. Instead of telling you parts of one longer story, I am going to tell you a lot of little tiny stories about the same theme. It's a chance for you to get a little taste of a famous myth or legend and decide if you want to learn more on your own. I am calling these kind of episodes Storytime Samplers. Today's episode is called Mermaid Musings. So go ahead and ask your grown-up for one last drink of water and make sure you have your favorite stuffy or pillow nearby. Snuggle up under your covers so you're nice and safe and comfy. All good? Well, then let's begin. Many of us in America have grown up with the idea of mermaids being beautiful creatures, pretty young women with elegant fishtails instead of legs. They are usually imagined as both curious and mysterious, and always just out of the reach of sailors or fishermen. They often possess some kind of magical abilities, either a hypnotic voice or the ability to temporarily transform into a human but that doesn't mean the rest of the world imagines mermaids the same way. In ancient Greece, sirens were creatures with women's heads and birds' bodies. They were said to have had unnaturally beautiful voices, literally impossible for humans, and men in particular, to resist. Later, artists began to depict sirens as closer to what we often imagine mermaids to look like, with the heads and bodies of women and the tail of a fish or a sea creature. It's possible that the tempting singers from Greek mythology were confused with or combined with similar characters from other cultures. And so, ultimately in Western art, mermaids have been thought of as having fishtails as early as the 8th century or over 1300 years ago. In one tale from the Greek world, the sister of Alexander the Great, a woman named Thessalonica, is said to have transformed into a mermaid upon her death. Any sailors who chanced upon her would hear her ask the question, does King Alexander still live? And they were expected to reply that he did, and he was still out conquering the known world. Upon hearing that response, Thessalonica would be pleased and assist the sailors in their travels. If, however, they gave any other reply, she would grow angry and send violent sea storms their way, seeking to drown all on board the ship. In Christian writings and art, mermaids often represented temptation or worldly pleasures that believers were not supposed to pursue. Other kinds of writings, called bestiaries, are imaginative collections of animals and creatures that may or may not have been real. They also included mermaids, sometimes depicting them with combs and mirrors. These two items came to be forever intertwined with the image of the mermaid, often reducing her to a vain, selfish creature whose magical song is used only for the destruction of helpless men. In certain cultures, anyway. On an island in Korea, there is said to have lived a benevolent mermaid who could predict the weather, and she warned sailors and fishermen if they faced danger at sea. She was considered a sea goddess by the people of the island. In Indian legend and Thai folklore, a fabulous and beautiful golden mermaid named Suvanamaka played a critical role in the story of the abduction of the goddess Sita. 
Sita was married to Rama, but was abducted by the wicked demon Ravana, who hid her on an island. In the story, Rama seeks the help of another god, Hanuman, to build a bridge to the island. To do so, the mighty Hanuman and his warriors throw huge boulders and rocks into the sea, creating an enormous path of stepping stones to the island. However, all the progress they make during the day is somehow undone by morning, and so Hanuman decides he should investigate. He learns that a number of mermaids were carrying the rocks away, making Hanuman's efforts utterly useless. Suvanamaka, the leader of the mermaids, explained that her father, Ravana, had commanded her to do so. Hanuman answered that he was building the bridge to rescue Sita, who Savanamaka's own father had abducted. Immediately, the mermaid changed her mind about her task and instructed her people to rebuild the bridge and aid in the rescue of the goddess Sita. The image of Suvanamaka is seen in Thailand as good luck and can often be seen hanging in both homes and shops. Zimbabwe in Africa has an interesting legend about mermaids who are known as Nyeze. They can be either kind or vicious, and they live solitary lives with just one Nyeze living alone in each body of water. Both good and evil Nyeze sometimes take humans underwater with them, but the kind ones could be convinced with an offering to return them to their families, gifting them with healing abilities. In Arabian folklore, mermaids don't look different than regular humans, but they have the ability to breathe and live underwater. Their society is more primitive than that of land dwellers, and it includes a bartering system rather than currency. The Japanese version of a mermaid is considerably less appealing than that of many other cultures. Instead of being a graceful woman with a long, elegant fishtail, the Japanese mermaid is actually just a woman's face on a stumpy fish body. It was considered bad luck to catch one, and one washing up on shore was a sign of bad luck on the way. Irish folklore doesn't have mermaids. Not exactly. Instead, there are selkies, women who can shapeshift into seals. In order to live on land with humans, selkies can shed their seal skins. But if a selkie's seal skin was stolen, she would never be able to return to the sea. Romances between selkies and humans rarely ended well. In Germany, Iceland, Scandinavia, and Estonia, Neeks were male and Neeksies were female freshwater merfolk who could shapeshift. They could pass for normal humans, except for little quirks. The hem of a Nixie's gown would always be wet, even in dry weather, and sometimes the Nix had dainty long ears like elves or fairies. As in most cultures, these merfolk could be either good or evil. The Nock of Iceland enjoyed shifting into a large, powerful horse. If you're a fan of the Disney movie Frozen, you might already know that. In France, stories were told of Undine, and since this story ultimately influenced Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid, I will share with you an abbreviated version of this original tale. Once upon a time, a fisherman and his wife tragically lost their little girl, thinking her drowned in a lake. Not long after, they were blessed to adopt another little girl. They named her Undine, and she grew into a lovely young woman. One day in the forest, she met a knight named Holbrand. A terrible storm blew through the forest, forcing Undine and Holbrand to take shelter in her home for several days. During that time, they became close, and Holbrand began to think that Undine could possibly control the weather. 
Upon the arrival of a priest, Holbrand asks Undine to marry him. After the wedding, Undine admits she is not really a human, but a water spirit. Unfortunately, her kind are without souls, but they can gain souls upon marrying humans. Holbrand accepts her as she is, and they make their way to his home to start a life together. Unfortunately, that's not the happy ending. There's more to come. Along the way, Undine's uncle, Kuliborn, tries to get her to stay. They make it, however, to Holbrand's home safely. However, a woman named Bertalda is upset at their arrival. It seems she was on the verge of marrying Holbrand before he met Undine, and understandably, she was jealous. Undine's uncle again arrives to warn her about the jealous Bertalda, but Undine ignores him and becomes friends with Bertalda instead. Undine later reveals a secret that she hopes will bring joy to her loved ones. Bertalda is, in fact, the daughter of her own foster parents, the little girl that they had feared drowned in the lake so many years ago. The idea of reuniting Bertalda with her real parents would be something to draw them closer. At least that's what Undine thought. But Bertalda is disgusted to learn that she is not noble by birth, but actually the child of peasants. Still, Undine maintains the friendship, inviting Bertalda into her home after her falling out with both her foster and her biological parents. However, the old attraction between Holbrand and Bertalda is reignited, and things get tense. Undine and Bertalda disagree about a fountain on the property. Undine wants to seal it up in order to prevent her uncle or any other water spirit from sneaking into their home and stealing her back into the sea. Bertalda uses the water in the fountain to bathe and care for her skin, and she insists that it be left flowing freely. Eventually, Bartalda leaves in frustration and confusion. Holbrand goes after her, and Culeborn, the uncle, seizes the chance to manipulate them. He maneuvers them into a dangerous situation, and they are at the point of drowning. Undine arrives just in time to rescue them, but Culeborn continues to menace them, even as they travel to another land. Every time Culeborn attempts to overturn the boat, Undine stops him. The sailors slowly become suspicious of Undine, wondering why she seems to be controlling the weather. Hulbrand too becomes frustrated, finally accusing her of being a sorceress, despite knowing that she is a benevolent water spirit. Upon hearing his harsh words, Undine's family reclaims her into the sea. Undine begs Hulbrand to remain true to her, but instead he marries Bertalda. Despite Undine's warnings, after the wedding, Bertalda requests that the fountain be unsealed so that she may again enjoy the soothing waters. Unfortunately, as soon as that happens, Undine herself rises from the fountain, deeply hurt by Holdband's betrayal. She weeps so heavily that Holdband is borne away by her tears, and Bertalda loses her beloved not once, but twice. It's a sad story that is based on the equally sad story of Melusine, another ill-fated French mermaid. In fact, the original version of The Little Mermaid also lacked a happy ending, in that The Little Mermaid does not end up marrying her prince. However, she does learn how to obtain a soul, and that had actually been her dearest wish. So are there any folktales in which mermaids live happily ever after? Not really. Although today we often think of mermaids as magical underwater creatures, most cultures have seen them as some kind of warning. Warnings about the dangers of the unpredictable sea or the dangers of humans giving in to temptation and vanity. The good news is, in some ways, mermaids are whatever we want them to be. 
Nowadays, there are both adults and children who love mermaids so much that they learn to swim with specially created flippers that are made to resemble and move just like fishtails. In fact, there is even a mermaid-themed tourist attraction in Florida in which beautiful, real-live mermaids perform in a water show. The mermaid has been taken from a sign of vanity and bad luck and has been turned into a beloved symbol of feminine pop culture, decorating children's backpacks and breaking box office records. So, who is your favorite mermaid? That is the end of our first story time sampler. Sweet dreams! Theme song is The Magic Tree by Jeff Harvey.